Women of Power show. I'm so excited to be here with Vicky Garlock, Dr. Vicky, <laughs> who is in Asheville, Carolina. I'm here in the UK. My name is Laura, and I'm just feeling this is just going to be such an in, in, interesting conversation. I'm I met Vicky. Well, this is the first time that we've actually met in person, but we've um, our paths have crossed on social media, and I've always been very lit up whenever I see your your posts, Vicky, um, because they resonate with me, and I believe that the work that you're doing right now is not only powerful; it's needed on our planet today for healing and revealing, and for people to understand the truth of who they are. I'm going to read out um, who your bio um, because I'm. I love reading out a bio. Vicky Garlock is the founder of World Religions for Kids and an award-winning children's book author. She earned her PhD in cognitive development and served as a full-time psychology professor for over a decade. She changed gears and began to focusing on, uh, focus on best practices for teaching children about world religions. And she's published Peace Curriculum, uh, which offers stories from eight different faith traditions um, and has successfully written books, We All Have Sacred Spaces. And Vicky has earned her gold award from the no, no, Nonfiction Authors Association. She has a book coming out soon called The ABCs of World Religions. I am excited and so grateful that you're here on the Women of Power show, Vicky. Thank you, Laura. Thanks for having me. Wow. That is, that's an a, extraordinary um, thing that you did. You changed, you, you decided to go out into your community with what you're learning and to actually really show people that they can love each other. We can love each other regardless of what we call ourselves or identify as religiously. What made you, what was that, what happened within for you? That well, one of the things that happened was I had my own two children. And so when I started to think about their uh, spiritual and religious development formation, um, I really wanted them certainly to know about Christianity. I live in the United States. I was raised Christian myself, but also to know about the other religious traditions. And when I started to look around, there really wasn't anything available to help them do that. Um, and so I decided that um, using my degree in cognitive development, uh, technically I'm supposed to know how kids think, that I thought there were probably ways to teach kids about the world's religions that were age appropriate and fun. One of the things that happens with religion is that we forget that religions are colorful and vibrant and interesting and fun. We tend to take religion seriously, which is yeah. fair. They deserve respect. But every religious tradition has ways to teach their kids about that religious tradition. And how do they do it? They do it with crafts and activities and stories, and they make it fun. And so I went out and I learned how people from various religious traditions teach their children. And then I brought that back to my children and to, you know, the other children in my community. I love what you've just said. That's so true. We teach our children through creativity and art and storytelling and music. And I must be, I've been stuck into thinking, oh, that only happens in the Jewish religion. It happens right. in all, with all religions. 
Exactly. And I was the same way. I was like, oh, I know how to do Christian Sunday school. You read a story and then you do a craft and you sing a little song. Right. But when I went to all these other communities, that's exactly what they do. They read a story about the prophet Muhammad and they do a craft, right? And so at the, it became so obvious, but it wasn't obvious until I sort of got out there and asked questions and, you know, went to family-friendly holy days and various traditions. And so it see, it's one of those things that seems really obvious in retrospect. And we each know that about our own faith tradition, but we tend to assume, oh, we're the only faith tradition doing that. And that's what I keep finding over and over and over again. Everybody is in their faith silo, thinking that we're the only people doing this, or we're the only people that think that. And what I find over and over and over again is that that's simply not true. That, you know, what I always say to people is religions are not the same, but they're not always all that different either. Wow, that's powerful because we're one, and that's what I believe to know. We're one. We're one expressing differently. We are a uniquely expressing, a unique individuals expressing. And religion can have, can have, um, can kind of clump us together with its own ideology of what that particular religion is. Did you find that certain religions would push the boundaries or would kind of go out, well, there isn't a box, but kind of go outside of that that limitation? Well, so... So that's the other thing I've discovered, right, is that when you focus on beliefs, which is often what we do with adults, I actually don't think that's a good way to teach adults about the world's religions either. But when we do that, we tend to imply, whether we mean to or not, that everyone believes the same thing. Now, in my own religious tradition, which is Christianity, and your growing up religious tradition, which is Judaism, we know that not everybody believes the same thing, right? But we tend to assume with the other, we gloss the other and say, oh, well, all Buddhists believe this, all Muslims believe that. And so the other thing that I've learned is that there's this huge array of beliefs and how people live into their religion in every single tradition. There are conservative viewpoints, more literal viewpoints, more progressive metaphorical viewpoints in every single tradition. And so that's um, a really important thing for us to remember. You know, I sometimes tell people if there are 8 billion people on the planet, there are 8 billion different faith stories. Yes. And 8 billion different ideas of God, this thing exactly. itself, the divine. We each see. I did a, I did a, a really interesting exercise in one of my my classes, a psychology class, with uh, with Mark Waldman, and he he said, right, everybody in the class, draw God, draw what, and everybody's drawing was completely. It's like, <laughs> wow. So um, when I used to, when I teach kids and I do a class with kids, right, one of the things we talk about, we often do a craft, right, Um, read a story and do a craft. And, And one of the things we talk about afterwards is how every single person's craft is a little bit different. Even if it's a template craft, right? Everybody comes at it a little bit differently. And it's a really great way to teach kids to 
you know, appreciate their own work and appreciate what someone else has done as well. And so to listen, and in this case, look at what someone else has done and see that it's kind of the same, but it's kind of different. And that is a really, really important lesson. And we tend as humans to want to be with people that are quote unquote, just like us, right? That's how we end up in our silos. And so this is one of the ways that we can teach kids that it's, it's okay if things are a little bit different. It doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're different. So that's, um, that's a teaching of acceptance for me of, mm-hmm. of accepting, upset, upset, uh, accepting the other, mm-hmm. uh, where we get to, to say, okay, I, I'm, I'm open to being with open-minded people rather than like-minded people. And mm-hmm. to teach children that as they grow up to, to be open to meeting and dialoguing with others that are open-minded that aren't coming from the same perspective because we learn from that. We learn in more ways from from the other person. So part of the reason why I often focus on children, although I'm learning that adults really like to learn this way too, is that kids are easy right? So you talk about prayer and you talk about prayer flags and prayer wheels and meditation as prayer. And they're like, okay, it's all good. A hike as a prayer. You get with adults and they're like, well, I don't really know about that. So for me, we keep, we keep waiting until adulthood to try to teach people to be accepting of the other, especially when it comes to something like religion. And in my opinion, that's too late. So we keep creating generations of skeptical and fearful adults. And if we want to get in front of that, if we want to get ahead of that, we really need to start with kids. And I, I, there are ways to do it um, that I think are, are fun and age appropriate um, and, and useful. And you were saying before we we came um, live today, um, by the way, for everybody watching, we're with Vicky Garlock, Dr. Vicky, just to thank you for being here and for watching. And and any questions, just put them into the chat here and we will get to them. Um, But you were saying, Vicky, before we, we ran live that education here in the UK for young children or children is very different. Religious education is very different to that in the US. And I'm interested in your share on that and what you've discovered. Yeah. So um, what I found is that in the UK and other some other Western European countries is that religious education in public schools is much more the norm. So in the United States, we have this sort of separation of church and state. And what's happened over the past 200 years is that people have taken that to mean that that one is not allowed to talk about religion in public schools, which, of course, is not what it means at all. Right. It means that um, that you're not supposed to use the public school system to establish a religion or to try to convert people. And so what's ended up happening is that people are very afraid. Teachers are very afraid. Um, They're afraid they're going to get called out by parents. In most cases, um, the research is showing that 
public school administrators in America really do support talking about religion in schools, but it really doesn't happen very much. Um, and so what I was saying before the show started was that in the U.S., in sixth grade social studies, a unit on the world religions is required. And then there are also some times in high school where units are included in world history courses, but it's really very minimal. And so what happens is that when kids graduate from a public school system, from a public high school in America, they really know very, very little about the world's religions. And in my opinion, that is somewhat intentional on the part of conservative Christians to make sure that children are not learning very much about the world's religions. So where do children that may not come from a a, a family that takes them to a, a, re, a religious activity at the weekends. Where do children, where are children getting their spiritual nourishment from? So it's completely, I would say, almost completely in the family, right? So, so parents take their kids to church and then the churches are there to um, present a Christian viewpoint, whatever Christian viewpoint that might be. And so, so for example, I went to a Catholic high school. I grew up in a small town in the Midwest and I went to a Catholic high school. Most of my friends at Catholic high school went to a Catholic grade school. Okay. So, um, and I'm Facebook friends with all of them, right? I go back to my high school reunions. And so a bunch of my high school friends are buying my children's books. And I said to them, I said, okay, you know, that book is for like an eight-year-old. And they said, oh yeah, I know that, but it's so fascinating. I'm learning so much. So my experience is that there are an, a lot of people in America who are well aware that they don't know anything about the world's religions. And that's not really their fault, but no. they don't know what to do about it, right? So how do you go about learning about the world's religions? People, grown-ups, don't really know where to start. And, and so they don't know where to, how to teach their children. That's right. Okay. So they start with with, for example, my books, my books or, or my TikTok videos or something. So, I mean, people can walk around and they see, they know that everyone is not Christian. They know they don't know about the world's religions, but then what do you do about it from there? And so part of what I'm trying to do is create resources for people, resources for people who are interested. There will always be people who are not interested. Um, and so that's not really my market, right? There are plenty yeah. of people out there who are interested um, and they just don't know how to go about it. I think it's so interesting and isn't it amazing how we take or we until we know we know we don't know until right. we know. Exactly. And you just opened something for me is that is that understanding that each country has a different way of teaching their children about religion. And yes, here in the UK we have a more secular um way of doing that. I mean it, only, it was a couple of months ago I think that the Archbishop of Canterbury has declared that God is it and not he in our languaging here, which is, I think, quite bold for the UK to do that. It's like acknowledging, you know, the, the non-gender of God. Um, and, and yes, I've been in schools and taught, you know, in the, in the last four years ago, I was teaching Amazing Me and where I, I get it that children here are taught to really honor uh, other religions and there's much more of a celebration happening in primary school education here for 
the differences and the uniqueness of other faith um, faith traditions, and that's being taught in schools definitely here. Yeah, but there's been some interesting um, research coming out of the UK, though, even so. Yes. So, so given that, right, so there was a recent study that, relatively recent study that showed that over 80% of people in the UK think that religion is, generally speaking, a positive force in people's lives. Right. But about half of those people also, half of people in the UK also believe that the UK government doesn't do a very good job of interacting with people and their religions, right? So you can imagine how difficult the situation is in the US. So even in the UK, where you have, like you said, this celebration, this recognition of diversity, this teaching about world religions, you still have um, a, a sort of a big disconnect. And mm -hmm. so what I would suggest to you is that that disconnect is even bigger, I think, in, in the United States, because we're not doing yeah. nearly as much as, as yeah. what is being done in the UK. And that's, that's problematic. And how do you then, because for me, what's coming to my awareness more recently is, um, is that there is a, there is a quite a large, um, narrative that includes fear in terms of, you use the word convert and there's, you know, there are people that are really out there looking to convert people into certain religions and using quite manipulative tactics to do that on social media and, uh, you know, ha handing out flyers and all this kind of ways of promoting religion in a way that is fear-based mm -hmm. to get that, get them to, to come into, you know, to get the numbers up maybe. Why do you think that's happening now? Oh, gosh. So I, I think that's always been a component, right? So there's always people who are interested in and willing to use fear um, to manipulate. Um, but I do think that right now, um, the world is um, under siege, let's say. So, so we certainly have a lot of fear that came about because of the pandemic. And that's legitimate, right? That was a scary time. It was really for people my generation, perhaps the scariest time that we've ever experienced in the United States. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. I think there's also, um, from a planetary perspective, there we there's a real problem with climate change, right? Yeah. And and so we're seeing and hearing about these big natural disasters. I think that creates a certain amount of fear for, pe for people. And also, you know, the UN Commission um, on Refugees has put out their numbers, right? There are over 100 million people now around the world who have been forcibly displaced. Yeah. So where 100 million people are trying to find somewhere else to live. Yeah. And so I think that we're in a time right now, there's always been reasons to be fearful as a human on this planet, but right now we have this convergence of things that are really scaring people. And I think mm -hmm. many Christians are afraid. They keep seeing these statistics, the rise of the nuns, the people who are not um, adhering or affiliating with any relig specific religious tradition. Um, and again, in the UK, right, where I'm sure you've seen that we now have in England and Wales, right, fewer than half the people now identify as Christian. Yeah. So that's scary for what has been a majority. And so I think all of those things are um, coming together um, to create, 
you know, just this sort of baseline of fear. But I'm an educator in my heart and in my soul. I'm an educator. And I firmly believe that one of the best antidotes we have to fear is education. Yes. Fear thrives when there's ignorance. And, and so part of what I'm trying to do is just educate people. I just did a TikTok video on this idea of Christian nationalism, right? Christian nationalism is this idea that America, the U.S., needs to go back to um, that amazing time when we were a white Protestant country. Okay, that time never existed, right? <laughs> so a lot of these manipulation, um, I think, tactics are not grounded in truth, Right. right. So so one way, again, to try to sort of combat that, and I don't like to use violent communication when I talk about other people's approaches, but one way to sort of combat that is to is to be simply be more knowledgeable in our case, to be more knowledgeable about the actual history of the United States <laughs> and um, to be more knowledgeable about the role of religions um, uh, is my like little lane that I drive in. Um, and so I, I do, I think education is a huge component to fighting that fear and fighting that ignorance and the manipulation that comes with that. And learning how to communicate, you use that word. And I think that's really powerful. How, when we learn how to communicate with ourselves, to know the truth and to know that no one and nothing can take away God within right. from us. That's really, for me, that's a really powerful piece to start with. No one can take this away from me and anything else I choose, choose to believe or not is, is a choice. But the one thing I know is who and whose I am. And I feel if, if that is instilled into um, children's hearts and minds as a knowing that that's just, who, you know, this is who we are, then do you think that we would be much more... Um, uh, capable and equipped in these times to have faith of in in this divine presence regardless of what's going on because there as you said there is so much going on that can can send the any of us off the rails in any moment you know mentally Absolutely. And, and again, what I see is that, um, so Christians think that Christianity is the answer to that, right? Like Christianity provides the answer to how to weather the storms, so to speak. Right. And Jewish people say the same thing, right? Judaism is the answer. And so again, that, that tends to put us back into our silos. So, yeah. so I think what we need to realize is that, as you said, any of these belief systems or any of these faith systems can be used to help us weather storms. Yes. And, and that's where we need to have the respect for the language and the rituals that are used to help people weather storms. We are all better off if everyone is not feeling fearful, if everyone is feeling secure, if everyone is feeling respected, and if everyone feels as though they can safely live into their faith practice, whatever, whatever that is. That is. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And so are you actually teaching? Do you have classes where you're teaching children physically? Your work is so beautiful. I feel like, oh, you're 
Thank you. I see you just having like thousands of children with you. (laughs) I wish. Other than your books, how do you physically do this? Yeah. So, um, so I do actually teach children. I go into schools um, around the Asheville area and I do read a story and I talk to them and it's great. And the kids are always super excited. And um, again, kids are easy. Um, and then I do a number of TikTok videos, uh, publishing children's books. So I can show you, it'll be back, it'll be backwards, but the first book that I published was we all have sacred spaces. So that's the one, that's the one that won a gold award. Um, and it talks about the exterior and interior of sacred spaces in many different traditions, indigenous traditions, Hinduism. And so again, part of the idea is to show sacred spaces are all different. Not only are they different between traditions, but they're different within traditions as well. But there are some interesting things about them that are the same. They are places where people come together to celebrate their faith and celebrate holy days and eat special food and learn and read. And so again, this idea that religions are not all the same, but they're not always that different either. Yes. So the other thing that, yeah, thank you. The other thing is that I realized that in all religious traditions, they teach children with stories. So the book that I usually use when I go around to visit schools is this one. It's called Embracing Peace. And so it's peace stories from, Can you hold it up again? We make, oh, yeah. It's, yeah just peace, make it a bit higher. Peace stories from a variety of different traditions. Beautiful. I love your graphics. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I have a fantastic illustrator. He is from India. He lives in uh, North Carolina now, but he grew up in India. And so he really knows a lot of different traditions, right? He yeah. really knows Hinduism and Buddhism. So many religious traditions started in India. So he's great. He's fantastic. So those are the actual stories. Many of these stories have been around for thousands of years, eventually written down. And so these are my versions of the stories. Mm. I, I do my research. I read about the story. I learn about the tradition. And then I write my own version of the story that's about 1,200, 1,100, 1,200 words long. And so when I go into schools, um, I work with the teachers or the librarians to pick a story. Um, and then we decide what kind of story. Sometimes it's associated with the holy day. So for example, uh, when it was holy, the Hindu holiday of holy, I went in and I read a Hindu story and then we made a craft about holy. So very simple. And so I use those stories because they're all about peace. Why? Because every religious tradition teaches people we need to learn to be peaceful. Yes. And so what you're doing is you're creating a curriculum. You're doing what isn't actually happening in the, in America at the moment yet. Right. You're creating this curriculum so that it will be, I feel this is something that schools then ha- will have the opportunity to adopt. They will yeah. have the opportunity to adopt it. Beautiful. The question is, will they adopt it? Well, um, and so that's part of the education process for teachers, understanding really what the separation of church and state means yeah. and what they really are allowed to do in schools and more importantly, what they need to do in schools. So right? you're removing that fear from right. the, from from the picture there. You're allowing them to see it from a different perspective. Um, that as children grow and learn about each other, about themselves and about each other, then of course, peace, love, that's going to be what we're all wanting, isn't it? Peace on this planet. 
exactly yes exactly that's what everybody wants it's what we all want and Mm -hmm. we say it's this or it's that or the material and that's what I love about the Hindu uh, faith and tradition is that there is such a leaning into the internal world and when you when you held up sacred spaces I was wondering wow I'd like to ask you about your idea of of that sacred space within um rather than you know the external you know the external, the internal world. Why, what do you believe about that? And why is that so precious? Well, it's, it's interesting. So again, we talk about sort of weathering the storms, right? And so that is about being grounded, about being rooted, about being connected with your own divine spark and your own divine nature. And, and that notion exists in all these major world traditions, right? All of them. Um, and so it's really interesting because I grew up learning about churches, of course, and you would hear various church controversies, right? Oh, they want to remove the first three pews for sacred dance. Well, I don't know if we can remove the pews and this or somebody wants to change something on the altar. Well, what I've learned in my work over the last many years is that those kinds of arguments and discussions happen in everybody's sacred space. Yes. And and so I was just up at our local Hindu temple and, you know, there's a problem with the carpet and they want to tear out the carpet, but the person who donated the carpet doesn't want to tear out the carpet. Okay. This, this happens everywhere in every religious tradition, right? But here's what's the irony of all of that. The whole point of sacred spaces is so that we can learn that we don't actually need sacred spaces. We don't need buildings, right? We don't need a certain kind of carpet. We don't need a certain number of pews. We don't have to have a certain certain items on the altar, right? And so that's the irony of it is, is, you know, what the Buddhists would say is now we're attached to our sacred space, (laughs) which is exactly the opposite of the point of it. The point of it is not to be attached to your sacred space. The point of it is to recognize that the sacred space is a way for us to connect with our divine spark. Yeah. And, and the most important part of a sacred space is what you do when you're not in the sacred space. Right. But this is not, I can assure you, this is not a Christian problem or a Jewish problem or it's a Buddhist universal. problem. Or a, it is a universal human problem. It's a universal. We get attached to the things that we think are where God is or where we can find a, a divinity. And really, it's within. And uh, so I love what you're saying. Yes, the sacred space is there as a, an opportunity to commune, to have community to have that sense of connection and yet what we're doing outside of it, that's where it matters. Right. Like so if- all of these things, these sacred texts, these sacred spaces, these rituals, they are all there to remind us, right? Yes. To bring to mind again, our own divine and sacred nature so that we can take that out into the world. Yes. Um, so, you know, today, I think it was yesterday that, um, that Tina Turner transitioned and for me, she's such an icon, such a a woman of power. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up, you know, Nutbush City Limits. That was it. And her her, her story, and and yet I know, and and the piece I haven't heard online, but I haven't really been online a lot today. But the piece is that she did really lean into Buddhism, and she became a Buddhist mm. monk. And her music over the last few years completely changed to chant and oh. oh yes and she I hadn't heard that that's interesting I'll have oh to my check God. that out yeah I'll, I'll I'll send you some information but and That'd she um 
she recorded with other uh, faith uh, leaders around the world, spiritual teachers, recording music, um, knowing that her song really was the one note uh, and the om that is the, you know, the, the, the spark that set everything into, into place. And that's what happened for her. She, she discovered Buddhism in such time of turmoil and knew that that was her way forwards to recreating her life. And she became a Buddhist monk. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. How we have a perception of somebody and yet they're doing something that's so personal to change themselves. And I think that's another piece that I just wanted to ask you. Do you sense shame around religion? People feeling ashamed of I am this or I'm not that or I'm not good enough to even, you know, be or changing religion. Is there any kind of like shame around that? Yeah, I think there's there's different types of shame, right? So in the United States right now, what we're seeing a lot of is people who are trying to figure out how to leave their evangelical Christian roots, right? Because they feel they might be in the LGBTQ plus community and they feel like that's not accepted. Um, You know, there's a popular Netflix show about Orthodox Jews, right? Trying to leave that that community. So, and there's shows about Amish people. So I think that ultimately, um, you know, each individual person has to find their own faith path. Right. And so sometimes you're raised in a particular tradition and that works great for you. And that's awesome. Right. But a lot of times, no, and there can be a, a lot of stigma around exploring Um, different faith traditions, exploring different rituals, or having feeling like you have to leave a community altogether or be shunned by that community in order to discern your faith path. So I think another thing that uh, part of what I'm trying to do, I'm not sure I can do it in this lifetime, but is to try to have help people become less fearful about that. If you have a child who wants to explore a different set of rituals or a different way of articulating the divine, um, how can you sort of be okay with that and not feel like they're turning towards something that is, that is evil. Right. Um, Or you have a child who marries even not even, you know, converting or changing religious traditions, but just marrying someone of a different religious tradition, right? There are a lot of families that really struggle with that. And that struggle Um, is in with the family rather than with the person that's actually doing it. Exactly. And so to help people maybe just be a little bit more okay with that um, and recognizing that, yes, there are very beautiful people in all the world's religions and you hope your child has found one of those beautiful people, um, regardless of of the tradition that they affiliate with. Will you be going to the um, the world religions? Uh- I'm I might be going. I've gone many times before. I went in Salt Lake City and I went in Toronto and I did the uh, online one. So um, and I actually grew up not very far from Chicago. Okay. So I I may be up there. Are you going? I'm not going. No, I may go yeah, online. It- if there's an online portal, then that would be the way yeah. I do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, usually the sick community from the UK brings literally hundreds of people to the parliaments. Wow. Yep. And they do Langar for everyone who's there. 
So I would say thousands of people participate in what are essentially UK-sponsored Langars because there are six, obviously, in the United States and Canada, but there are more in the UK. Yes. And they 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 literally all come. And then it's what's really funny about it is that as the week goes on and everybody tries the Langar and everybody loves it and everybody learns about it and everybody thinks it's so great, people start like donating money and stuff. And so the Langar gets fancier and fancier as Parliament goes oh. on. Wow. Right. So, yeah, yeah, because they, they just have more money. They people donate and they offer food. And and so it's really it's it's probably one of the most um, important things I think that six do is because they reach so many people at Parliament and help people understand that tradition. And on this side of the pond, um, you know, Sikhism is considered to be the fifth largest world religion. And we just don't have very many sick people in the U.S. I think it's about 100,000, okay. right? And so people in, in the U.S. are incredibly ignorant about Sikhism. Um, and they see someone in a, in a star in a turban. They think they're Muslim. It's, it's just a mess. And so Parliament is one of, that's one of the things I've really noticed about Parliament. It's not just that people learn about all these other different traditions, but I really see thousands of people being touched by Sikhism and their teachings and their practice of Langar at the parliament. I can feel your yeah. energy. It's like you, I, I'm, I'm so happy for you. It feels as if your life has opened up from what you have been studying and discovering. How, I mean, how profoundly has your life changed? Right. So, well, I think uh, it might be on my Twitter profile, but I often refer to myself as a recovering PhD. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, I mean, I had a very traditional upbringing, right? So I went to a Lutheran grade school. I went to a Catholic high school. My parents were very committed to providing me with a Christian upbringing, right? And then I got into academia and I worked really hard in school and I got a PhD. And so those are a lot of um practices that can make you a very uptight person oh, yeah. it's a little <laughs> isn't it? right. exactly yeah. exactly you always in your head always in your yeah. head yeah oh yeah and in lutheran grade school we literally every year memorized Martin Luther's small catechism, right? So again, a very, a very heady sort of academic way of thinking about my own faith, my Lutheran upbringing. So yeah, so now, now I do sort of less stuff in my head and more stuff with my heart and um, it's all good. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. You are, uh, in, your enthusiasm is catching and I'm just feeling so excited by the work that you're doing. Um, and Thank I can so see much. what you're doing as a seed, as a template for how this can be for children, yeah. for how this can be for teachers and for how it can be mm -hmm. for carers, parents, and those who are, you know, overseeing children at this time. You're, you're, you're allowing the possibility to come through. It's yeah. very beautiful. Yeah, that's really all I can do. It turns out grandparents are really interested as well, right? Because, so yeah, they, yeah, because grandparents they're like, oh, my children aren't taking my grandchildren to any kind of faith community, and so what can I do? And I'm like, oh, well, you could read them stories. You can. So yeah, the pos the, it is possible to do this um, in a way that brings out, I think, the best in and everyone. touches more than than children because it's families, it's families yeah. and teachers as well. So powerful. How can anybody, well, you've got TikTok, your hashtag. I can't find the hashtag on this keyboard, but your hashtag. I uh, know my hashtag is, 
My hashtag on TikTok is at learn religions. Oh, at learn religions. Yeah, that's my hashtag. I use, that's my handle. My handle is at learn religions. And the hashtag I use is religion minute. Um, I'm all over social media. Um, I've got my website is world religions for kids. Of course, my website needs to be updated because websites are high maintenance friends. <laughs> all websites need to be updated all the time, but World Religions for Kids. And um, so, yeah, and, and please feel free to buy my books. I'll show you the cover. This is my this is the book that's coming out, ABCs of the World Religions with my amazing illustrator, oh, Raman Gardwaj. So, yeah. So that'll be, um, that should be out in the next few months, hopefully in the fall. Fantastic. And I would love it for you to come back on to the Women of Power show. Oh, thank Think about you. your book and share it and share some stories also. Maybe All right, we'll make reading. that happen. That would be cool. <laughs> that we'll make that happen. Vicky, thank you so much for being here and for shining your light here and in oh, the world and doing me. what you're doing. It's really powerful really beautiful thank you so much thank you and so thank much. you for everybody that's been watching or listening this will go out as a podcast as well and we'll be back here with the next women of power show in the next few days so watch out on your social media stream bye for now bye